Howdy, everybody. You're listening to the Liberty Buzzard. That's B-U-Z-Z-A-R-D, like Texas Eagle Buzzard Podcast. It's a podcast where we pick, the, pick apart the news along the highway of American culture. Think stinky old dead news, like a skunk on the side of the road. And we are your Liberty Buzzards. I'm going to welcome Thomas Umstead, my co-host. I'm Dustin Hammett. Thomas, what do we got today? The kids are leaving Facebook, according to a story from the Pew, uh, or some research from the Pew Center. Uh, young people, you know, the kids these days, are dropping Facebook in droves. In fact, they're anticipating that there will be 2 million fewer teens on Facebook than there were last year. Now, Facebook is not shrinking overall because it is making up for its loss of teens by adding old people. So it is the graying of Facebook as the young people flee and the uh, older folks flock to it. I think this is a fascinating trend because, um, Dustin, I think, were you in college when Facebook came out? Were you in college at that time? I, I, you know, Thomas, I really don't appreciate this question. Um, <laughs> I was actually, I think I was in college during the MySpace generation. Uh, I remember being in college right when Napster came out because I thought Napster was the greatest thing in the entire earth. And, you know, it kind of still is or was. Uh, so a... Pour one out for Napster, the last yeah. beacon of freedom uh, and piracy on the uh, internet. God bless it. I mean, when you talk about it, the great equalizing force, the Napster, man. Um, no, so... Facebook came out in what was it 2005, right? So I was just out of college. I, okay, I'd already had a job. I, I was a, I was a I was a tax paying <laughs> member of society by then. There you go. You're also a tax receiving member of society. Yeah, that's you know. that's a different story. <laughs> uh, so I was in college when Facebook came out. I was I think I was a freshman, uh, freshman or sophomore in college, and it was this epic event like everyone took off class for the day when it came to our university because I was way down the pecking order. So you had Ivy League, and then you had big, fancy universities like Texas A&M, or as I like to call it, University of Texas at College Station. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, and then way, way down the list was little independent liberal arts schools like Mary Hardin Baylor, which is where I went to. But when it finally came, everyone took the day off of class. But to sign up for Facebook, you had to have a .edu email address with your university. because we had networks in those days. And you had to be a part of your university's network. And to do that, that meant that you had to be able to log into your campus email account. And back in 2004, 2005, the campus email was so terrible at Mary Hardin Baylor that no one used it, which meant that suddenly everyone had to log into their Facebook or their campus email address, sometimes for the very first time. So there was a line out the door for the IT department of people resetting their passwords. I felt so bad for the poor like work study students who are trying to reset the passwords of an entire campus worth of students. It was pretty, pretty awful for them. But we all signed up for Facebook and we Facebook friended each other. And at that time, Facebook was only for college students. No one else is allowed in. And then they did the unthinkable they allowed in high schoolers and it was the end of Facebook <laughs> as we knew it or at least so we thought because a year or so later they let in our moms and uh, Facebook has been shifting older and older ever since as it has gone from being the snitch thing of college students to being a mass market uh, and what's happened is that young people are getting off of Facebook and onto more private social networks like Instagram and Snapchat 
because young people actually care about their privacy. <laughs> so Gen Xers that. don't really care about privacy. They're like, whatever, I want the whole world to know what I'm doing all the time. Here's a photo of my lunch. Uh, whereas younger millennials especially are very conscious of the fact that they are living their life. They don't want their teenage indiscretions to be recorded forever on Facebook. And it's really, really hard to hide something on Facebook permanently. Like what they, goes they don't on want Facebook you to know what to they had for lunch? Facebook. Yeah, you can untag yourself from a photo, but the photo stays on Facebook if somebody else took the photo. And so what young people do is they are on tools like Snapchat or Instagram where a lot of the content self-destructs after a period of time uh, where no one can see it after 24 hours or after whatever the time window is. And I think that's a fascinating shift. It's a way of protecting your privacy. It's kind of the 4chanification of social media where things self-destruct over time and it creates a sense of urgency and a, a sense of nowness. So have you joined? Have you left Facebook? Are you leaving with all the young whippersnappers? You know, I haven't left Facebook, although I see I see in the future a time where Facebook is no longer relevant. You know, I think Facebook eventually goes the way of a of a MySpace. Um, I think that uh, some, especially with all the missteps, the privacy missteps, um, the, the, the 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 speech. Uh, regulation on on Facebook. I think there's been a lot of problems with uh, people posting things on there, and it didn't pass the filters for one thing or another. I think that's going to turn off a lot of people. I think people are going to turn away from that. Also, I think Facebook, like you said, used to be this niche thing where college kids used to get on and gossip about where the party was going to be this weekend. You go on Facebook now, it's nothing but ads and uh, talk about politics. So, of course, kids are going to leave that. They don't care about politics. How many 15-year-olds out there really give a crap about politics? Probably not that many. So, of course, they're going to they're, they're gonna flee from that because they don't want to be around it. And, uh, you know, they also say Twitter's dying. What do you think about that? Is Twitter dying? Is it, is it, is it in the throes of death like Facebook? <laughs> so, as long as Donald Trump uses Twitter and it's talked about on the news every single day, Twitter will live. So, everyone's like, Twitter, will you crack down on Donald Trump and like shut him down for hate speech because he's threatening war with North Korea? And it's like, no, they can't do that. He's the best thing that's happening in Twitter right now. It's like people are always talking about Trump's tweets and love him or hate him from a policy perspective. He is brilliant at tweeting. Like, he's really good at writing tweets that people want to talk about <laughs> and that get people uh, talking. Uh, so, I don't think Twitter is dying. I do think that it is not nearly as popular as people think that it is. So believe it or not, Reddit actually has more active users than Twitter does. Uh, and But Reddit doesn't get nearly the attention on uh, the mainstream media. So if you're watching CNN, if you're watching Fox News, you're going to hear the word Twitter probably every hour. <laughs> you're not going to hear the word Reddit every hour, even though Reddit is a bigger, more active social network. I'm surprised CNN and Fox News don't have maybe they do. I don't I don't really watch TV, but an actual Twitter feed as a part of their display, you know? Um and sit, they can sit there and actually just show their Twitter feed back and forth between Fox News and CNN and we can have that drama all the time. Uh yeah. But Twitter's the but same thing. But then you right? undermine the whole per point of having those stations and <laughs> just go on Twitter and you don't even have to watch Fox News. I think those stations are undermining the point of having themselves. Uh I think <laughs> I think those types of that types of news, like you said earlier, you get your news from uh, Phil DeFranco on Twitter or uh, his website or YouTube, what have you. Um I think the CNNs, the Fox News, I think the 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 network news station they're also dying a slow death. You know, I think they're dinosaurs in a tar pit. 
and I just don't see them lasting for another decade, another two decades. I think uh, I think eventually TV as we know it is going to go away. I really, I mean, how many people have you know have cut the cord? I cut the cord back in two thousand eight. Um, the only time we put on the only we have this we have this TV that I bought. I think I bought it in two thousand five, and every now and again, probably once every quarter, my family and I will watch it as a movie. Otherwise, you know, we're sitting in the living room together, each watching separate shows because we each have different tastes and we each do different things. So that's the future, right? Um, TV TV's largely going away, except for except for waiting rooms and doctor's offices. Uh, I, I don't think that, or, or, or the mechanic shop, I don't think that Fox News or CNN or any typical broadcasting news networks are, have, have a lot left in this world. I think those are going to be the only bits of TV that survive, actually. That and stations like ESPN. So what justifies television to exist? It's not watching TV shows, right? If I'm going to watch The Office or whatever the modern equivalent of The Office is, I'm going to watch that on Netflix or something on demand on my device, just like what you're describing. But if if there's a flood, if there's a hurricane, if there's a war going on, if there's a sporting event for people who are into sports, man, I want that in real time. And when it comes to real time, TV is still the best, arguably, as a technology because it scales really well. So internet, if everyone on the internet was all watching the same YouTube stream, it would break because it has to give a unique stream to each person. Whereas if everyone was watching Fox, you know, the regular terrestrial Fox, that's no more strain on their system because of how the technology works than if no one was watching Fox. Um, So I think that it will live for real-time news and for real-time sports. And, you know, having somebody like Trump in office has actually been good for ratings. Fox's ratings are up. CNN's ratings are up. New York Times selling more subscriptions than ever before. People care about news more than they did under Obama. You know, Obama was just so controversy free. <laughs> he just didn't he only had maybe one scandal a quarter. Like there was just not enough to sell newspapers with Obama. Trump has a scandal every 38 hours. <laughs> so or 48 hours there's a new Trump drama, a piece of drama that's got everyone buzzing. And uh maybe these will die, but I don't know. I just see that the one thing that justifies television is that real-time element. You know, I see what you're saying for sports. Because I, like you said, I have a hard time seeing anything replacing sports broadcasting. And I left that outside on purpose. News, however, I don't know. Uh, I think I think as uh, our generation gets older, you're going to see the news start to go away. The, the generation behind us, millennials, Generation Z, and the generation behind them, whatever you want to call them, I just don't think they're going to turn on TVs anymore. Like I said, I mean, how many times do people actually turn on the TV in the house? Um, I, you know, I can tell you how many times I turn it on to my house and that's almost never, uh, a traditional house, other houses that actually still watch TV. I'd like to see a survey that actually, you know, cause I don't know. I'm not that house. I don't know how many people actually still watch TV when they get home. It's, it's older people. If you, if you look at the ads for, especially for news shows, it's mostly for prescription drugs. It's for people yeah. who the government yeah. is now paying for their prescriptions and they're able to, oh, that drug sounds good. That drug will make my life better and the government will pay for it. And uh, the other nice thing is that drug companies don't have to worry about the drama. Right. No one ever has a backlash. It's like, oh, drug company, how dare you support Sean Hannity because he said blah, blah, blah. The drug companies just say, hey, we're making people's lives better. <laughs> right. Our drug is beneficial. They ignore all the side effects. And yeah, you never all see the, the blowback. <laughs> yeah. You never see the blowback on a pharmaceutical because the kind of people who uh, really hate, um, you know, 
conservative news or liberal news, both of them probably also hate pharmaceutical companies. And no one is going to stop taking their heart medication because the heart medication company is, you know, sponsoring somebody that you politically you disagree with. That's too much harm to take on yourself. If you have a prescription from a doctor saying you need to take this medication for this health effect, that's going to trump any sort of, you know, political incentive that you have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you on the, I think you look at the advertising, just like you said, uh, and you can see who watches TV. And I think that just makes my whole point is when eventually those people are all going to die. Uh, although with, with the advances in medicine these days, we might all live to 120, who knows? But I think eventually technology is going to come up with something and you're right. You know, there are constraints as far as YouTube, you know, we can't all get all, all get on YouTube and watch the same cause it'll break the internet. But I think eventually technology is going to catch up with that and, and create something different. And I think the old format of a bunch of news anchors, talking heads, getting around TV and, and, and lamenting for 24 hours a day about the, this party that did that and this party did that, I think it's going to go away. A, I think people are going to get bored with it. You know, I think one year into Trump, it's been great news, like you said. You know, if Trump could charge these people, he might actually be a, a legitimate billionaire. But... Uh, I think eventually people are going to get bored with it. I mean, how many times do you, do you bash somebody for racism and you, you become irrelevant? It's, it's, you know, the, the racist thing is starting to become, people are starting to become deaf to it because it's, it's such a controversial topic all the time. Roseanne Barr, this, that, and the other people just don't even care anymore. You know, the new, the news. Yeah, speaking of people getting good. unplugged from the television, let's talk about Roseanne Barr. Uh, she sent out a tweet. She compared an Obama staffer to a monkey uh, or a chimp. And within 48 hours, she was fired from everything. What are your thoughts? Well, everybody in this nation has freedom of speech, right? But nobody has freedom of consequence. Um, was it uh, her show was on ABC? Um you know, just to give you an idea of how out of how out of times I am with TV, I just never watch it. I didn't even know that they had brought back Roseanne. I remember when I was a kid watching Roseanne in my family home with with uh, with my family. Um, but that was in what 1989, 1990. I had no clue they brought this this show back. So that just goes to show you how clueless I am when it comes to TV. Anyway, so now I think that you I have demonstrated about... how out of touch you are, <laughs> yeah. now let's hear what your thoughts are. <laughs> so, no freedom of consequence, right? So, uh, I think it was ABC uh, who had had her show. They're a private business in, in the United States of America. They have a right, just like the NFL has a right, to dictate the terms of how what their public image is to, to you know, public images to the public. They have the right to dictate those terms. So, if they don't like what, he said, what she said, then they have a right to, to, to let her go her own way. Freedom of speech only applies to criminal action. Nobody's going to hold her criminally liable for the stupid crap that she says. What are your thoughts, Thomas? So I think, you know, I, I've never been a fan of her. I'm not crying that she lost her job. Uh, she was she said some, Well, she said some really insensitive things about, you know, Christians in the past, right? She's like, if you, you know, pray and you believe that God talks back to you, which is like a core Christian belief, right? That we have a relationship with God. This is not some fringe thing. She's like, you have a mental illness. And I'm like, wow, that is, that is some, those fighting words. And like, I'd, I'd like to see you have the courage to say something like that about against Muslims, right? You, she'd never, you know, you're only going to pick on people who aren't going to fight back. It takes one you know. to know one, Thomas. <laughs> 
but fighting back is one of those things that Christians are discouraged from doing. This whole turn the other te- cheek thing means that we let people, you know, have a lot of hate speech against us without consequences, which, you know, that that's fine. I, I subscribe to that, or at least I try to. I do it poorly. Um, so, you know, when she is losing her job for this racist stuff, uh, that doesn't bother me. It does bother me a little bit, though, that there does seem to be a bit of a double standard that you can compare Trump to a monkey or a chimpanzee without consequence. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Trump, but I am a fan of justice. It's like, well, you know, what is acceptable and what is not? Are some people more protected than others? And, you know, maybe it makes sense that some people are more protected than others. I think the argument from the other side would be, well, you know, these are uh, repressed, you know, groups of people that are not in power it's different to make fun of somebody who is in power than it is to make fun of somebody who's not in power right kicking the weak one as opposed to kicking the bully and i can understand that right like somebody's the president they surrender basically all rights of being made fun of and you know comic artists when they do political cartoons really you know both bush and obama started looking more and more monkey-like as they their presidencies evolved you know when you see drawings of them uh they really both started looking like monkeys and how they were characterized. Uh, and I guess that's a thing that we do with our presidents now is <laughs> say they all look like monkeys, which I don't know. I, I feel like there needs to be some respect for the office. I think you can respect the office while still disagreeing with somebody's politics. But uh, I'm also not a cartoonist, so I don't know, like, how do you critique someone's ideas visually? That's not my area of expertise. Yeah, I think what you said about people... I think people on the right, largely, they really don't care what she said, or they do care and they disagree with it. Uh, the guy, the people on the right that I follow on Facebook, on Twitter, for the most part, what they're saying is, hey, you know what? We don't appreciate what she said. Um, like I said, they, they, they pretty much support the idea that she does not have the freedom of consequence. ABC is a private company. They can do what they want. But yes, I think there is an outrage, especially on the right right now, about the the perceived double standard. Well, if you know Roseanne Barr can say one thing and and, and get punished for it, then how can you know Bill Maher or uh, 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 what's Joy Reid or whatever her name is? How can they say all these ugly things and not be punished for it too? So I think it is the double standard that pretty that everybody's pretty upset about. But once again, all these people are being are are, are hired by private company, right? So what's the answer for us to do? The answer for us is do like I do and just don't watch ABC News or TV in general. And that kind of takes care of itself. I think a lot of it is also who your audience is. So Roseanne's audience, from my understanding, is a more left-leaning audience. And so for her to be racist alienates her audience. Whereas for her to make fun of Trump or make fun of Christians, that doesn't alienate her audience. And this is one of the things that's important to realize about boycotting is that boycotting something that you already don't consume doesn't make any difference, right? If I am not watching football because I'm not a fan of football, and then suddenly I don't like how they're handling people standing at the Pledge of Allegiance, and so I decide to start boycotting football, well, the effect on the NFL is negligible because I wasn't watching it in the first place. This is what was so fascinating about the standing at the um, Pledge of Allegiance with the players. The kinds of people who were really supporting the uh, players kneeling were the kind of people in general who weren't watching football. They weren't 
football heat watchers. You're hardcore. I watch 20 games every weekend. People are God and country, American flag waving folks. And they were really bothered by the standing at the flag. So when they would do these surveys and they were like, oh, well, America is divided on this issue, whether football players should kneel. NFL players were not divided. <laughs> NFL players generally were against the kneeling at the flag because they felt that it was unpatriotic. And so when you're taking a stand, you have to realize like who your base is. And I think that that's why the NFL made their pivot, where it's like now you're required to stand because they realized of the people that actually watch a lot of football, they really did want the players to stand. Yeah, and they're a private company, and they made their move. And so we'll see what happens. I think it's interesting to see all the players that are saying, we're going to sit the season out. I really don't buy that. Uh, <laughs> they're losers. If they do, wow, that's a principal stance right there. I respect them for making that principal stance because they're going to be losing millions of dollars. And I don't think a lot of those people who are threatening to leave can afford to lose millions of dollars in their million-dollar home. But whatever. But I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, Thomas, because – you know what? Say what you will about Roseanne, what she said. I really like Ambien's response, and you know, me saying I like any type of prescription drug is amazing. But Ambien's response to—did you read this? Ambien's response to uh, uh, Roseanne. I'm reading it right here on Twitter. I have Racis- not. Racism is not a known side effect of our drug. Bam! <laughs> that <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. Ambien. Well played. Thank you for putting an entire generation of human beings to sleep and then making that funny comment. Those are your two contributions to the world. Thank you very much. I will say there is some side effects, I believe, of Ambien causing people to do things out of character, like drunk or driving, sleep driving and sleepwalking and stuff. But uh, yeah, if there was a drug that caused racism as a side effect, that would be really scary. Uh, It would also be interesting if there was a drug that like took away your racism where suddenly you see the world in a more equitable way. (laughs) I wonder what that world would look like. I imagine that Ambien is a lot like just like alcohol or any other type of uh, drug. Uh, it doesn't exactly uh, add racism in, but it does break down the barriers. So if you were racist to begin with, you know, it's probably going to show that. En vino veritas. In wine, exactly. there is truth. And that is what we're trying to do here on the Liberty Buzzard. Pick the nuggets of truth off of the highway of American culture. Thank the you so much. The more modern version, Thomas, listen. is an ambient veritas. An ambient veritas. <laughs> an ambient veritas. <laughs> Maybe that is uh, the title of this episode. Thank you all so much for listening.